I am teaching tomorrow in, uh, for the Palm Springs group, the Insight Community of the Desert, and we're doing um, the Eightfold Path um, over the next several weeks and starting with wise view tomorrow. And so I wanted to talk about it tonight, too. I thought it's always a good thing to teach. And I was wondering, I said, didn't I just talk about that a couple of months ago? And then I realized, like, it was a year ago, July, when I did the Eightfold Path, but time flies. But I think it's, you know, because it's such a foundational teaching, it's really important to revisit it from time to time because you don't just do it once and then get done with it. It's this this ongoing investigation, this ongoing practice. So um, I like what uh, Gregory Kramer says. Gregory, Gregory Kramer wrote a book called The Whole Life Path, which is really excellent. And he says the Eightfold Path is a deliberate, intentional path to counteract our deep conditioning, familial conditioning, societal conditioning, all the, all the things that we've been conditioned by, and to, um, and, and to uh, counteract our movement towards wanting all things to be pleasant, wanting all things to last, especially the pleasant things to last. It's a path to understanding suffering and ending it. It's a path out of ignorance. So that's what the whole Eightfold Path is. It's the way we move towards liberation, towards awakening. And Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about this first factor of the Eightfold Path, wise view, as the forerunner of the whole path. And he says in his amazing book, The Noble Eightfold Path, he says it's the... um, It's the forerunner of the entire path, the guide for all the other factors. It enables us to understand our starting point, our destination, and the successive landmarks to pass as practice advances. To attempt to engage in the practice without a foundation of wise view is to risk getting lost in the futility of undirected movement. We have to know where we're going. And the Buddha himself says that he sees no single factor so responsible for the arising of unwholesome states of mind as wrong view. And no factor so helpful for the arising of wholesome states of mind as right view. So it's important. They're all important, but this is this recognition of how we are conditioned, how we are caught in ignorance. You know, ignorance driven by our conditioning, not that willful ignorance, not, you know, I intentionally am causing harm, but at least at the outset, you know, until we begin to practice, until we begin to wake up and make the effort to, you know, come out of this fog of just acting like a robot, acting like an automaton, there's this tendency to just react in an autopilot kind of way. Just this happens, I do this. This happens, I do that. Instead, we have a clarity and see this conditioning and begin to chip away at that. Um, and because there's always, there tends to be this uh, bias towards pleasure and away from discomfort, we begin to see that. And that's why the invitation in the practice, in the, in the, in the meditation is always be with the discomfort, with friendliness, you know, greet everything, everything belongs. And so we're cultivating wisdom, we're cultivating this clarity. I think last week I talked about, um, 
I think I, I, it was something about, oh yeah, I was talking about kindness and wisdom. Um, I think that, was I? No, that's something. Oh, I'm going to talk about that later. Excuse me. Um, wisdom and suffering. Um, but it's, it's letting the, letting go of the suffering and cultivating the wisdom. So it's this, um, it's this, um, setting a course for ourselves to walk in the right direction and this willingness to let go. And it's, it, we, what, what has to happen is we have to recognize our suffering. We have to recognize our stories and where we're caught up and what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. Those are the, those are the words that are very often used in the suttas and as translated um, skillful, unskillful, wholesome, unwholesome, because they're not, for, you know, that's not good and bad. It's like what takes us away from suffering and what takes us towards suffering. And so um, Bhikkhu Bodhi says that uh, when a noble disciple understands what is unwholesome and the root of unwholesome karma, what is karmically wholesome and the root of wholesome karma, then he has right view. And what's, um, I also like the way um, Kramer elaborates that. And he, this is, he's talking about this sutta where Sariputta is talking about it. Sariputta is one of the Buddha's disciples and how one understands unwholesome and wholesome. He says, the wholesome and the unwholesome refer to actions, physical, verbal, and mental. So it's all speech, thought, um, and action. The root of the unwholesome refers to the underlying thoughts and attitudes of greed, hatred, and delusion. You know, the three poisons that set us up for unwholesome actions. The root of the wholesome refers to thoughts and attitudes of renunciation, of generosity, of kindness and compassion, which set us up for wholesome actions. Right view is both the sense of things that can tell which is which and the practice of developing that discernment. We know, for example, that releasing a fixation on accumulating praise will bring peace, while grasping at praise will yield tension for ourselves and possibly harm for others. So it's a recognition of this addiction to a particular thing. And it's not necessarily an addiction like an alcohol or drug addiction, but it's a craving for something. And he mentions praise in this. And, and what that made me think of is even something as simple as um, social media, although social media is not simple by any means. It's incredibly complex, and there's a lot of relationships in, in our, our um a lot of uh, complexity in our relationship with social media, but people can get so caught up in chasing likes. Like you put something, you post something, and then you keep going back to who liked it, who didn't like it. Nobody's liking it. Uh Uh-oh, the algorithm's broken. Maybe I need to go in and put a picture. Maybe I need to do this. I'll take it down and put it back up again. I'll like it myself. And we get just this, because we invest our meaning, we invest who we are as people, uh, we give this power over to something else and we become addicted to it. And so social media is just one example. Praise is one example. You know, being patted on the head at work is an example. Having somebody like how we dress so we're like, oh, I need to make sure that my, I, I'm 
really good with fashion or my hair looks right or whatever it is or I'm a good person I'm a kind person you know I can never I can never say something that no one else will not like because then maybe they won't like me and they won't think I'm a good person all these things all these complexities this conditioning that's unskillful that's unwholesome and it's not unwholesome because it's it's unwholesome because it doesn't lead towards awakening it's because we're trapped in this chasing of something that's not us. It's, it's, it's something we think that will make us happy. And it's always out there. And we have to instead recognize this, 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 this clinging to this idea. Um, it's really important to uh, recognize that the unwholesome is driven by greed, is driven by aversion, is driven by ignorance, to really pay attention to what's underneath our actions. And that actions that are wholesome are, are, are driven, by, driven by renunciation or held by or grounded in renunciation, letting go of those things that cause suffering, grounded in generosity. Generosity is an, generosity is an antidote to clinging, driven by goodwill. You know, and this is what's offered in wise intention, which is the second factor of the path, is letting go of what causes suffering, greeting everything with friendliness, with goodwill, with kindness, with compassion. That's how we want to face the world. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago I talked about kindness. Last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, maybe it was last week. It's just how do you face the world with kindness and the importance of that because that's a heart that's not holding on to aversion or holding on to ill will. There's a, there's a softness there. There's a recognition of this connection with everything else. And so you can have the same action driven by two different things. So intention is really important for this. So to recognize the action. There's a sutta, I believe, it's, and it talks about, you know, cutting someone with a knife. If the intention is wholesome, it can be a surgeon cutting some with a, someone with a knife to perform surgery to enable healing. If somebody is angry with someone else and, and uses a knife to cut them in anger, that's the same action, but two totally different intentions, two total, driven by two totally different um, um, ideas. One's driven by generosity or helping or healing, and the other is driven by anger and rage and whatever other things. So really, we have to understand ourselves what's underneath this. And we want to cultivate the activities that are driven by, that are held with this kindness, the com compassion, which is, which is what the rest of the Eightfold Path brings us, how, help, helps us to see what direction we're walking in, how to move in a direction that's wise and skillful and wholesome. It's, you know, the whole, the whole second portion of the Eightfold Path is ethical behavior, how we interact with the rest of the world with kindness, with not causing harm, with generosity, with, with kindness in our speech. Really important to see what's driving us and, and to move towards a kind and, and wise way. And, um, you know, it's understanding that uh, things are impermanent. Anicca, anatta, and dukkha. That there is suffering in this world. And so, that, which is dukkha. It's just a fact of the human condition that things don't last forever. So if we want things to last forever or permanent, 
we're going to be disappointed. And that we are conditioned beings. Our, our, our outlook and things are constantly changing. So to recognize that we can't land on something and this is going to be it and we'll live happily ever after. I don't think living, living happily ever after because we got the prize doesn't ever seem to work. Because you know those folks who are always chasing prizes? They get it and then there's something else. And then there's something else. I, I always ask the question, how many billions of dollars is enough? But these people with billions of dollars always seem to chase the next billion. And it's like, apparently it's not enough. I'm not them. I've never had that problem. I can't answer that question from experience. I wish I could. But that, that's what always comes to mind for me. And, you know, anyway. So one of the other, one of the other um, things to think about with wise view, and I love this quote. I have all these quotes about wise view from years ago, and I don't know where this is from, but it talks about um, wrong view occurs when we impose our expectations onto things. So we expect things to fix us. We expect, you know, a billion dollars to, to, to fix us. Um, or the right relationship, the right job, the right spiritual practice, that that's supposed to fix us. When we impose our expectations onto things, expectations about how we hope things will be or about how we are afraid things might be, right view, wise view occurs when we see things simply as they are. It is an open and accommodating attitude. We abandon hope and fear and take joy in a simple, straightforward approach to life. We see things as they are. That's the invitation of the practice. How can you be present for this? That's clarity. Seeing where we have expectations. There's a, there's a line in 12-step literature that says, the higher your expectations, the lower your serenity. And I really love that. It's not that we don't have plans for our life or goals. It's like not like, you know, I go to school because I want to study this because I'm interested and I want to get a degree and I want to get a job or we train or we do this because we want to move toward this. I practice because I want to move in a direction of clarity. I want to see these things. That's why I sit. That's why I study this stuff because I see the impact it's had in my life and I want to continue in that direction. But I have no expectations. Expectations of... I should be further along in my life than I am by now. And y'all should too, right? Y'all look, we should be further along in our lives than we are now. So let go of those expectations. Expectations can be so painful. And the other piece of, as with all of these teachings, there's the, um, there's the, the, not, I don't want to say surface, but when you start to practice, there's the under, the beginning to understand the teachings and then as you get deeper and deeper and deeper into it, it, it becomes a much more experiential quality. There's a much more of an experiential quality to the understanding of the practice. So it's not just an intellectual exercise. There's this innate knowing of, of, of what the teachings are about. And the same is true with, it's the same is true with all of the factors of the Eightfold Path. That's why you don't just do them once and you're done. There's this dropping down into more and more and more understanding. And in the, the part of the understanding of the eightfold of the first factor of wise view is really understanding the four noble truths. 
you know, understanding the first noble truth that there is suffering, there is birth, there is death, there is being separated from what we love, there is loss, there's, you know, and so we have, and as I said earlier, we have to understand how that shows up for us as fear, loneliness, insecurity, grasping, what's it look like? You know, birth, it's like death, yeah, we understand that, and not to deny those things, because sometimes people just go to great lengths to deny the reality of the human condition. So I, I you know, I, I, talk, I talk to that a lot. And so to recognize that things are the way they are. We are all of the nature to grow old, to get sick, to die. Everything we have will be taken from us. It's the five remembrances. All we have are what we do in this moment. That's what we have, our actions. You know, and to recognize that the the root of this suffering of our 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 real suffering around this is this wanting things to be pleasant, you know, clinging to something when it's you know having an expectation of it should be this way. If I do this, then this will happen instead of recognizing that what happens happens, and can you be with the reality of the moment? And the third noble truth is that there is a way out. And the fourth noble truth is the Eightfold Path. So they kind of fold into each other. As so many of these teachings, they support each other. This one leads to the next, and, and they kind of build on each other. It's a really interesting um, structure, but it, it makes so much sense. It's a, they all support each other. So to, to recognize that and to... Um, to really be willing to greet our suffering, whatever that is, the discomfort that we experience. And suffering is just one translation of dukkha. I talked about this a few weeks ago. It's, there's discomfort, dissatisfaction, kind of feeling off kilter or not quite right. There's the willingness to be with that without needing it to be different. So important. So um vital to to the path towards liberation um, so that's this willingness to turn towards i i talked about it or I, one of my favorite definitions of equanimity that i say all the time the willingness to be intimate with our deepest experience without preference letting go of preference this is the way it is this is the way it is. This is this is what's happening. And how can I greet it with kindness and compassion towards ourselves, towards the experience, the friendliness? Um, there's a I listened to um I listened to a talk. I think it was Thursday. I, I was listening to a talk, um Lions Roar, the magazine, has a, a, a podcast. And I was listening to a, a, a talk by Larry Ward on the podcast. And then when that was done, it just kind of went into the next one. And the next one really has a lot to do with what I'm talking about tonight. And it was just by accident that I listened to it. And this is um, Wisdom and Suffering. And it was a little short talk given by Brother Fat Pie, who is one of Thich Nhat Hanh's um, uh, uh, he's a practitioner in Thich Nhat Hanh's lineage. 
And it's if you're interested, it's the Lions Roar podcast from June 25th of this year. And he talked about we live, and he got this from some philosopher that I don't remember the name of. He talked about how we live in an ascendant society or an ascendant culture, which believes that we have to get beyond suffering. That we have, and which in turn, if we if we think we have to get beyond it, transcend it, then it kind of builds in an ill will towards our pain. That we we get into an adversarial relationship. That suffering, discomfort, is something to be overcome, to be beaten down, to to get again. It, it's this this war kind of battle, embattled mentality. And that, that doesn't work because, um, and then he talked about his bodhisattva. And a bodhisattva is the being who foregoes their, uh, their enlightenment until all beings are enlightened. And he says, a bodhisattva makes the vow to befriend all beings, all things. And I really like this, and I talk about this, that we have to remember that we are part of that all things. A bodhisattva... Uh, befriends all things, not just beings outside ourselves, but on a profound level. It's developing the capacity to befriend befriend those things about ourselves that we think are unlovable. Things we don't feel have anything to do with our spiritual life or growth. Those habits we have that we go, I can't believe I still do that. Those thoughts that pop into our mind that we think about other people, those judgments, those criticisms, those, when we think we're being petty, you know, when, when I fall into sarcasm or when we fall into these old habits and then we think, oh, I should be better than this. As I said, haven't I gotten, um, shouldn't I be further along in our lives? And instead, we befriend those as well. The shadow side, you know, befriending our shadow side instead of getting into this adversarial relationship because adversarial relationships tend to intensify the discomfort you intensify what you don't like it's it's trying to beat it down instead of just saying come on in making room for everything you know the bodhicitta Thich Nhat Hanh described that as the mind of love is a quality shared by all bodhisattvas this is the quality of unconditional friendship for others and it, we treat our pain with friendship and love. It's, so it's unconditional friendship towards ourselves as well. I think I've spoken about this multiple times, but it's just so important, and I really like the way he puts it. You know, this, un, this friendship with love, treating ourselves with friendship, curiosity, curiosity, loving kindness. Then it becomes wisdom because we have a clarity. We see what's going on instead of just othering it and saying, I don't like you. It's bad. Instead, we invite it in. There's one of the factors of awakening is investigation, curiosity. What is this? Greeting it with friendliness. And it becomes wisdom when we have that clarity rather than something to be gotten rid of. You know, this is a part of the path of healing. Right now, it's like this. Can I be with this right now? You know? So, and suffering is part of wisdom, this recognition, this willingness to be it. It's, it's, uh, what was I? 
I can't remember. I was talking to somebody yesterday or today, and they were telling me something that really brought this home. And I went, that's a great example, but now I don't remember what it says. Um, you know, learning how to take care of our suffering, our discomfort, is wisdom. Is wisdom in itself. You know, this, the, the path is often called, not the Eiffel path, but this, this path of insight is often called the path of awakening and compassion, the two wings, I mean, of wisdom and compassion. So the path of awakening has two wings. Wisdom, this clarity, this seeing clearly what's really going on, and the compassion towards it. So we don't see clearly and then say, oh, you suck. We see clearly and hold it with goodwill and kindness. And there's another, um, there's another quote on this page of quotes that I have around wise view. And it says, seeing reality through the eyes of clarity, not through the eyes of illusion. That's what wise view is. Meaning not seeing things as we would like them or want them to be, but as they are, getting rid of that fog, getting rid of that, that haze of conditioning. It should be this way. Instead, say, it's like this. And knowing that that's the actual world, that spiritual world of, is the world of reality. It's not something else. It's what's right here. And can we hold it with that open heart? And that's an undefended heart. You know, that's an undefended heart. So wise view is coming into deep intimacy with our experience without the blinders of conditioning. You know, it's the willingness to see where we're conditioned, the willingness to let go of those cherished ideas that we've held practically our whole lives. Because if they cause discomfort, if they cause suffering, then that's what we need to release. That's what we're asked to let go of. So, yeah, that's, that's really, I think, um, the important things I want to say. Oh, and there's this one last thing. So wise view is awakening. Wise view is waking up, and, and wrong view is suffering. Wrong view is ignorance. And so this, this, this path, this right view, this wise view is the path towards awakening. It's, it's setting a course for awakening. So um, that's what I got, my friends, and um, I hope it's um, been helpful in some way, shape, or form. So thanks, thanks, for, thanks for your uh, attention. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.